further up and further in. I'm Amy and I'm here with Michelle. Hey Amy, what are we talking about today? We are talking about the role of church and the role of pastors. Ooh. And I feel like we just need to put a disclaimer out here that like we are both heavily involved in church leadership. You're a pastor. I sit on the board of elders. I'm a pastor's kid. A lot of our good friends are pastors or pastor's wives. So we, you know, we're not standing from the outside saying random things. So what I hear you saying is either we're qualified to speak on this or we are the problem. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. I'm still going after sound effects for our podcast. I think we need them. (laughs) Anyhow, I have been so blessed and encouraged by your perspectives on these things. You have a really good mind for looking at big pictures Mm. and surveying systems and how things work. And you've also really cultivated uh, compassion in your heart for people, both people of the congregation and people in leadership. So personally, even though I've had this conversation with you many times, many ways, I'm super excited that we're doing this on our podcast today. Yes. And I, this is a topic that I'm quite passionate about. And so I recognize I can kind of get on a passionate, I wouldn't say rant, yeah, but a, a passionate stream because this is actually something that's a big deal and dysfunction in these areas can actually really hamper the work of the ministry. Yeah. I, I am with you 100%. And I think on behalf of our listeners, I'm just going to take the license to say, give her Amy. Yeah. We need to hear what you have to say and we can rumble with it. Yeah. I love hearing from you because you see things as a pastor's kid and you see things as a member of a congregation. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've been reluctant to speak on some things because I feel like maybe people would see me as self-protecting or making excuses because I wear the title, the hat, mm-hmm. whatever. I find your perspective really valuable. So um, I don't know if we could have a cheering cue, but it's like, go, Amy, go. (laughs) So where do you want to start on this? Man, that's a good question. Um, I think a good starting point is maybe just unpacking church. Okay. Um, How are we going to do that? I'm so curious about who's going to be listening. So we just always pray. Whoever listens, get something good out of this. Exactly. I think now in this COVID thing where our long tradition of how we do church Mm -hmm. in quotations Mm -hmm. is disrupted has given us a really good opportunity to really examine when we talk about doing church or being the church or going to the church what do we actually mean and is there anything in our ways that we've been doing church that isn't as effective or as in line with what Jesus is calling us to do as it should be Yeah, you know, this has been a a challenging and hard and uncomfortable time for me in the official role of pastor because I just have to do my job in a more complicated way. Yeah. And preaching to an empty room makes me feel like crying every single week because I like people, so that's Mm -hmm. why I do what I do. At the same time, I am so excited for what this can and hopefully is doing for the group of people that identify as part of the church. Yeah. Because I do think there's been a dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it, and I've tried to be the change, but this the current conditions are actually facilitating the perfect conditions. Oh, totally. Um, in Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus is talking about to, to Peter, you know, I'll build, this is what I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And 
Um, that word he says, I will build my, this is the rock I will build my church on. I mean, we see church and we're like, okay, this is the, the church, you know, our services, our, our pastors, our sermons, our worship. But the actual word is ecclesia. Yeah. And it's not a religious term at all. And Jesus could have picked a religious term. Mm -hmm. There was temples he could have used. There was synagogues he could have used. He said ecclesia, which is actually a political government term. It was, they would set it up in, you know, after the Romans came in and conquered, they'd set up an ecclesia that were people appointed to make sure in that area, the culture of Rome spread. Right. And so Jesus wasn't saying the church needs to be a political body. No, 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 no. Right. Yes. <laughs> but saying the church is people appointed in the kingdom of heaven to come and spread the kingdom of heaven in that area. I love it so much. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, it may, where it's like, okay. Okay. So all this, I mean, we throw out like, no, a church is not a building. We are the church. We say that and it's true. Yep. But it also kind of can kind of turn into something that's like powerless and like, yes, we're the church, but we'll still just come and sit and consume and then we'll go and yay, we've done it. So I hear that passage like being every one of us, every one of us, regardless of our gift set of our titles, hats, blah, blah, blah. We all have an assignment to be an ambassador that brings the culture of heaven to our sphere of influence. Exactly. And, I mean, we've talked about this before when we kind of talked about um, in the world, but not of the world. Mm-hmm. I think, or of the world, not in the that world, one. not of the world. Um, we're not saying that meeting together is null and void, that there's no. not richness in that. Because, I mean, the Bible clearly tells us, like, to gather together for the purpose of encouraging. Yeah. There's still the coming together and worshiping together and praying and learning together. But it can't stop there. But it can't just be, okay, good, I've done that. Mm-hmm. I'm good now for till next Sunday where I can sit down and consume. Yeah, and that's the word I was just going to use. The consumerist culture of our Western hemisphere. As a pastor, this has frustrated me hugely because I see us struggling with trying to satisfy the consumer, which is the person sitting in the pew, but that's not in line with Scripture at all. Yeah. Um, Francis Chan has a really good book that's called Letter to the Churches. And one of the quotes he says just speaks exactly to that. It says, it's no secret that most people who attend church services come as consumers rather than servants. We see the foolishness in this, but it feels as if we've resigned ourselves to it. We have learned to accept it as though there's nothing we can do about it. People put money in the offering plate, which pays for staff salaries. So the staff should do their job and minister to the people. It sounds like a fair and efficient system, and it works pretty well in some places. It's not what God wants, but it works. And that's an unsettling place for me. Like, even when you read that, I feel slightly nauseous. Mm. So how do we change that? Yeah, I think, man, it starts with each of us evaluating where we've placed our idea of church, what we see our role of our pastors, and taking real stock of, like, why, why do we do this? Mm-hmm. And what does it mean? Like, what did Jesus want the church to be? And what is our assignment? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You think of church, you think of pastors. It's true. It, it's just like... It's intrinsic it's, part of it. It is, which also is telling. <laughs> right? That when we hear the church, it's like, 
can be synonymous with the pastors. It can be. And it's an awful weight for me, but yep. But that's not actually true. No, it's not supposed to be that way. No. But I think this is what I'm this is where I'm really starting to get Uh-oh. amped up. She is fired up. I think and I'm I'm including myself in this. Okay. People that sit in the congregation, me as I sit in the congregation, I know I have abdicated responsibility for my own spiritual health to my pastors. Okay, what does that look like? What do you mean by that? That means where it's like, hey, we need to be reading the Bible more at church. Mm -hmm. I'm not reading it in my personal life, but Mm -hmm. my pastors need to be doing better. Man, we need more prayer. I'm not praying in my personal life, but I don't see it in the church, so the pastors have to do something about it. Mm. Man, we need to increase our capacity in our community. We need to make sure people know about Jesus. We need to be talking about big social issues. My pastor needs to be doing that. Mm. I'm not going to do any of it. Yeah. But it's like I it's like this weird thing where it's like I feel the compunction to do something about it. Yeah. But I don't actually want to take responsibility, so I put it on the pastors as, "Hey, I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not praying. I'm not doing anything social community wise yeah it's your fault it's not it's because you're not doing a good enough job okay so then amy i'm loving hearing things from your perspective and i'm loving your eyebrows and your bright blue hair i just want people to enjoy what i'm seeing so what the heck do we pay the pastors for anyway very good question what do we pay the pastors for (laughs) you're gonna lob that one back at me hey well i I mean i think the solution is is we just stop paying the pastors oh no just (laughs) (laughs) Which I've had that conversation with people and I actually do know verses that say that you should support your pastor so yes. that he can do the work of the It's ministry. very true. Do we want to go down that rabbit hole or stay on track? No, no, no. We don't want to go there. No. Just Google it. Should we pay yeah. pastors? You'll find verses both ways, but there they are. Yeah. Um, yes. Focus, Michelle. So referring back to Francis Chan's book, uh, Letters to the Church, I love that church book. I love that it is unsettling and revolutionary and disturbing because I think we need to be disturbed. Mm-hmm. But in that book, he talks about the church viewing pastors more like massage, massage therapists when their assignment, according to scripture, is more like personal trainer. Mm-hmm. And man, that has stuck with me. It has stuck with me in different conversations where I feel like I think this person's really upset with me because they want me to act like their massage therapist right now. And I think shepherds need to be compassionate. Scripture compares pastors to shepherds, similar word, blah, blah, blah. How does a shepherd treat sheep? Well, they don't beat them over the head, but they do nudge them along. Mm -hmm. And when they're wounded, they do minister healing. And those to me are all really important facets of a pastor's job, but it isn't the pastor's job to run all the charitable organizations and to be the expert spokesperson on every current event. Those I don't think are my job. Yeah. Right. And Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teacher. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. I love that verse. And I actually, every year when I do my annual review and my annual report, I look at what I've been doing and I ask myself, is this what I've been doing? Mm -hmm. Have I been equipping the saints or the body of believers? Saints is a weird word for people. Have I been equipping the people in my care, the congregation, 
to do the work of the ministry? Or have I been trying to do it all? Or operating under the expectation and pressure and discouragement, Mm -hmm. feeling like people think I should do it all, what has Scripture said my job is? And in congregations, could the pastor leave? And I'm not saying it wouldn't be sad, right? That there wouldn't be loss, that what pastors bring is not really important. But if a pastor leaves, the work of the church should still be able to continue on. And if it doesn't, then that's an indication that maybe there's some things wonky. Yeah. Has the pastor not equipped people? Have people abdicated what the pastor's been trying to do? I don't think we can, you know, just all wholesale throw this one way or the other, but like a self-examination of everyone present. I mean, our listeners could be asking right now, do I want to do the work of the ministry? Do I want to be the ecclesia, the ambassadors, the sent mm-hmm. ones? Or do I just want to go and hear a sermon that helps me with my personal life, makes me feel better, makes me feel encouraged, throw some money in the plate so that the church will make sure that some social mm-hmm. justice is happening, and I will go home and I will watch Netflix. Yeah. Right? And that's a that's a real question, mm-hmm. right? Like, churches, the gathering is for the encouragement, not the settling. Mm-hmm. My friend and I, we were talking about, um, what were we talking about? Something, whatever. doesn't matter what we were talking about. And she just had a really good picture. And I can't remember if she fleshed it out or if I kind of took it and ran with it. But she talked about, it's like all these things in the world we see that are not right, that are wrong, that are messed up, broken, the, the cruelty people are doing to one another. Yeah. She was like, they're kind of like all like burning houses. And... Is it really effective if we're like, pastor, go do this. So run to a burning house, throw teaspoon, Mm -hmm. bucket, whatever. And Mm -hmm. then the next one, okay, run, run, run. So you have one person running to 50 houses, just chucking little buckets. That's what my bad weeks have felt like. Right? (laughs) Or is it better if at each house, there's one person standing, Hmm. holding the fire hose, while the pastors, the leaders of the church, are behind these 50 people making sure that the supply line of water is there, Mm. making sure, okay, do you need this? Okay, that's going to be way more effective because it's one person at one burning house. So it really ties into the whole thing of what is your burning house? Yeah, that is amazing. I don't, how, how, in all the hours of conversations we've had, I've never heard you say that, but that's like such a good picture. And it actually makes me feel like the comparison, the tension of there's all these burning houses and everybody thinks it's my job because I, I, that feeling just makes me want to curl up and die. Yeah. But the idea that I could be like giving the water to the people who are right, which that's all, everything inside of me goes, Oh yeah. Yeah. I get, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Because there has to be a role. If the scripture says there's a, an assignment of pastor teacher, which there's a debate if that's the same thing or two separate things, yeah, it's fine. We don't have to be Greek scholars. That makes sense. Then someone has been assigned that. And when I think about our unique wiring, my love of scripture and studying and digging mm-hmm. into it, and then packaging it in a way that people can break down all the complexity of theology and scripture and everything else in a way that gives them life so that they can go out and be a banker who shines with the love of Jesus and a mom who has what she needs to take good care of her kids and a, you know, my husband construction guy and he's so good at it, but he has such good conversations with his, his clients. Like Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me. I can do that. Yeah. And I think because my whole life I've been around pastors, right? Mm -hmm. My dad was a pastor you know, at a, a pastor at a local church and then in kind of our uh, denominational district level and just, a right, I have pastors in my family and good friends and 
that I've never fallen to the trap of putting them on a pedestal. Because that is such a comfort. You have no idea. That pedestal <laughs> is the most uncomfortable because, place on the planet. Right? Uh, I remember my dad had this book of like um, jokes from the pulpit or something that, you know, just kind of made light of, of yeah. pastoral roles. And one of the one of the cartoons that I remember <laughs> as a child and when I was visiting earlier this year, we found the book and we were talking about it. And it's like this pastor and his wife and his wife is like how about we do something different for a change you're really happy and helpful at home and grumpy at church (laughs) and it just it makes me it really made me laugh yeah that yeah I've never had a pastor on a pedestal but I recognize that that is that is something that can happen because people see and they hear what they say and they we put expectations on what I what that person should act like that sometimes all of a sudden we realize we've taken away the humanity of our pastors. We've taken away permission for them to acknowledge their struggles. We take away space for them to ask and need support Mm. in a way that actually is not helping Mm -hmm. is not helping our pastors. And because our pastors are, are the spiritual authority and they do provide a cover for our church we're not helping our church ultimately, yeah. and we're not helping ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's a really a point of tension that you've just highlighted there. It's it's rough. I, I know you highlight that joke in it, in, and it's super funny, and <laughs> we could all laugh at it. Yeah. You've also said to me that you have seen that your dad was the same person at home that he was yes. in the pulpit. Yeah, and and I admire your dad so much, and mm-hmm. I want to be that way. You know. I feel like if I'm not also trying to be that person at home, that I am actually the worst hypocrite. Yeah. And that's not okay. Mm-hmm. It's not okay at all. I want to get to that in a minute. We better yeah. come back to, you know, the brokenness of pastors. It is a really hard line to figure out how to navigate that you show up as a leader pointing people to Jesus and you have your own struggles. Mm. Yeah. So for me, one of the things that has been amazing that I think is unusual in our church is that I do have a circle of friends who see me as Michelle. Mm. And I do have permission, and they've been women of such integrity and personal faith and maturity. They're mature believers mm. that they can handle my struggles yeah. without degrading my qualifications for what God has called me to. Yeah, And so I don't know if you're listening to this and you're someone in leadership. I just bless you to find those people for you because if you can't be real somewhere, you're actually not safe. Yeah. In the sense that you also call out my brokenness. Mm-hmm. So, Michelle, what about that attitude feels a little, uh, mm-hmm. you're gentle, yeah. but you're not going to back off from it. Yeah. Somebody has to do that for pastors. And someone also has to be the safe place where they can absolutely fall apart when they feel overwhelmed by the job and like they're the most unqualified person on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in that, what I said about, you know, the spiritual authority and pedestal, there is a spiritual authority mm-hmm. and there is a whole dynamic of submission under our lead, our, under our pastors and our leaders mm-hmm. that is really hard because mm-hmm. we kind of, I kind of, and I've seen it, we swing to one side or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Of like either pastors are on a pedestal and we can't call them on anything and they know everything and, mm-hmm. or we swing to the other side of like, okay, they don't deserve not that they don't deserve respect, but they're just normal people. It doesn't really matter. Their authority mm-hmm. doesn't, right? Kind of like the two things. If it's a balance, though, it's like they're not on a pedestal. We actually can call them out on things. But also, what does it look like to submit to their authority? 
in a really respectful way, right? Just thinking about me and you, right? Mm -hmm. What does it look like as one of my pastors to submit to your authority in things and hold the tension of, I really know you. I really Mm -hmm. know your struggles. I know where you feel wobbly, but there's times when it's my job as underneath your pastorship or whatever that right word is to submit to you. Ugh, that submit word is like just such a triggery word. Can you think of an example where you could unpack what that actually looks like? So I think me and you have done a lot of ministry together, yeah. right? Where we, we sit down and we have an opportunity just to create space for people to hear Jesus and walk through some hard things and, mm-hmm. and bring our skills. And there have been times where the way you've gone about it is not the way I would have gone about it. Mm-hmm. Or I would have done things differently than you. And in a regular thing, if we were just like throwing out ideas about the podcast, I'd have no problem being like, hey, you know what? I, I think we should go down this route. Like, let's do this. Yeah. I wonder if this is where this is coming from, blah, blah, blah. But in those situations, you are the pastor who is leading that ministry session. Hmm. So it is not my place at that moment to be like, no, no, no. Actually, I think this is better. I think this is more important. We should go down this route. It is trusting. You are listening to Jesus. You are the one in authority now. I will submit to you in this and I will support you as you do this because that's my role in this right now. And then afterwards, I'd be like, hey, I wonder like, yeah, right. And we've been there where I'm like, man, you, I'm curious. You went that road instead of this road. Yeah. And you answer, right. And it's like, oh, okay. That totally makes sense. Or, oh, whatever. Yeah. But my job in that is not to be telling you a better, i.e. my way (laughs) to do it. Yeah. I hear you. That's that's a, a pretty good example. And I think that on my end, I'm always eager to hear your input later. Oh, yeah, totally. Because you have a good way yeah. of seeing and doing things that's different than me. So on the pastor end of it is a humility to always make space for those conversations that maybe in the moment isn't like the good time for you and I to break it down as we're trying to take care of this person. Yeah. But that I can also learn from your perspective. And I mean, I think I've become a way better pastor because of your input. Mm-hmm. And so I think leaders always have to have that posture of humility in the tension of not abdicating abdicating the authority they've been given. Yeah. Because I've wanted to do that. Great. No one will be mad at me if I always just say, what do you guys think? You know? Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and it's like, no, I've had to grow in a fierceness of I might be right. I might be wrong. Jesus is going to help me. And even if I'm wrong and I fail miserably, I'm going to, I'm going to clean up my mess. I know how to do that. I've had yeah. some practice. <laughs> yeah. And Yeah. It's just a whole interesting, I mean, right in all relationships, in every area, broken places collide. Yeah. And so pastors with their congregants, congregants with each other, Mm -hmm. people in relation to the church, it's like kind of like little (laughs) all over the place or places that aren't necessarily clashes, but where the unhealthiness or unhealthy aspects of a leader and unhealthy aspects of, um, someone in their congregation can combine to create an either, even bigger unhealthy situation. Yeah. yeah. I think one of my sort of rule of thumbs, both both ways, right? As I see people struggling in my congregation or I see struggles with coworkers because I, I work with other pastors and engage with them often. It's like have a, have a default of presumed goodwill mm-hmm. that could be having a bad day and frankly right now a bad season. Yeah. COVID's <laughs> putting a lot of stress on all of us and we're seeing it and it's showing up. It's real. Presume goodwill. But when you see a pattern that's causing harm, then humbly ask God, how do I address this? Yeah. Either way, humbly mm-hmm. ask God. Because if your desire is to get in there and fix somebody and straighten them out, 
wrong attitude. Your is not your assignment. Yeah, that's not going to work. No, it isn't. It isn't. Yeah. And as leaders, if you're listening to this as a leader with any kind of hat on at all, you know, there's a scripture that says, don't desire to be the leader because you'll be held to a greater account. <laughs> I hate that verse. Yeah. But it keeps me in check all the time. Am mm. I at, what am I after here? Yeah. And when it comes right down to the fact that, no, God called me to do this and he is going to help me and I will do the best I can. And I will acknowledge that people are going to see my quirks along mm-hmm. the way. But I'm gonna do it because Jesus called me to it. Yeah. And Not as this like great yeah. power position to attain to. I can't even relate to that in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And so for for those of us that are, I mean, all of us are part of the church mm-hmm. and congregation, right? Whether different positions of of authority in that. But it's just like asking questions and being really curious mm-hmm. about like how do I see my pastors? Mm-hmm. How do I see the church? How do I see me in relation to the church? Do I see it as people owe me something or this they need to provide this for me? Or is it, okay, how, how can I serve? How can I take encouragement and equipping to then go to my burning house, mm-hmm. whatever that burning house is, right? And if you don't know your burning house, ask Jesus. Yeah. He'll show you yeah. the thing that you're like, how is people not recognizing that this is on fire? <laughs> right? We all have those places of like, how yes. do people not see this? Yes. But it's that means it's your assignment. Exactly. And people will see your example. And if it's also their assignment and they haven't realized it, they will come because your passion carries. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But don't expect everyone to come put the water on your house because they also have an assignment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in regards to our pastors, like even just a simple Jesus, have I made an idol Mm -hmm. out of my pastor? Mm -hmm. Yep. And if you're finding you're listening to this conversation and all you can think about is that horrible pastor who did the terrible thing. Oh yeah. I'm really, really sorry that happened Mm -hmm. and it's not okay. They don't have a blank check to get away with stuff. I have experienced spiritual abuse from spiritual leaders. I had therapy and I'm not even kidding, right? Like it's a thing. Mm -hmm. And it's a thing we've also been given resources to deal with. Mm. And we need to because that will forever be a stumbling block in our lives that the Satan, the enemy of our souls will use to keep us from fully engaging in this. What I, it's an adventure, man. This putting the fires out is an adventure. Mm -hmm. And the enemy wants to keep you powerless because of that terrible person in your past. I think it's funny, not funny. You and I have been in so many places together where all yeah. of a sudden people just dumped on me their anguish yeah. about how pastors have behaved. And I'm like, wow, how come I'm so lucky? I think part of it is because I'm a woman. I 90% just way more male pastors historically than there have been females. They're not even seeing me as the same person mm-hmm. as the person that they're processing their pain with. And so there's a little bit of permission there that unknowingly, unconsciously, whatever, they see that. I hope they feel a genuine compassion from me. Mm-hmm. But it breaks my heart every time. It does. Because it's that whole thing of you shouldn't all desire to be leaders. You'll be held to a greater account. The impact of your brokenness is a very serious thing. Mm-hmm. So pastors need to deal with their crap. But if you've been wounded by a pastor, can I just really, really encourage you to unravel the effect of that in your life. Go back to our forgiveness podcast. Go back to the Soul Ties one. God has made a way for restoration for you, and He cares. He never wanted that person to treat you poorly. Mm -hmm. He never did. 
And you need to get working through that so that you can be the high functioning part of the body of Christ that God created you to be. So I feel compassion and I also feel a fierceness. Go after it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. Listen to some of our other podcasts. And uh, we just really bless you to encounter healing from Jesus. It never ceases to amaze me that God would trust broken people to shepherd his people. Mm. Like, what was he thinking? But he's the one that designed it and he knew it. Mm-hmm. He knew our weakness and he still created this structure. Yeah. And said, go for it. Work through your stuff. I've made a way. And it's in this structure. It seems like it's in this structure that ourselves personally and the church will go further up and further in. Mm-hmm.